everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Silicon Dreams on Radio Zindagi 1550 AM. This is your show host, RJ Sonia, the founder and CEO of Orbis 86, where we are creating accessible onboarding opportunities for those who want to learn about Web3 and AI. Again, thank you to Nicholas, founder thank of you, Dino.Live, mm-hmm. for joining us here on the show. Because the crypto industry in itself is barely... 10 years old so yeah, finding somebody with the right experience becomes a challenge but if you are net new then the learning curve is that steep that a lot of the smaller companies can't find the time and resources to train you of course of course yeah so i ended up uh, finding a guy who was trying to build you know the web3 linkedin and so he told me about the idea and uh, instead of like being his intern uh, we like i asked him if i can be his co-founder because he was the only one in the company and uh yeah we were like uh so that's how i started my uh startup journey and uh, building the web3 linkedin that was uh back in last year's june and the reason we are building this was because last year crypto was still pretty hot there were i think there were like uh like a lot of new people who came into the space into the crypto space and mm-hmm. in hordes and millions Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And also I think we look at the statistics last year, they have, you know, raised probably like uh, tens of billions of dollars. And yes, I know right. with, with all that money, you need to hire someone. So we build a place for you to hire. And uh, yeah, and so that makes a lot of sense as a first. And uh, but like once, like after we start building a platform, we found it's like, um, it's, it's not a super big market because for, Again, crypto is still a very small industry. The total valuation of across all coins is, is only $1 trillion. So that's even smaller than Google. And uh, like people usually hire based on referrals instead of uh, going to like, for example, to going to LinkedIn to find someone. And, and there uh, is actually a good reason for it. In mm-hmm. the past, we in the past, even now, mm-hmm. a lot of the times we have uh, developers who go rogue. who will use the keys and then just steal all the money from a contract oh, wow. so you really need to have a lot of trust in the people mm-hmm. that you're hiring because mm-hmm. you're sharing a lot of data with them and crypto is all about self custody as you said yep. right you earlier spoke about how you like the fact that in a decentralized setup mm-hmm. people own their data mm-hmm. right so even if they were to go on a decentralized linkedin version mm-hmm. they can own they own their data whatever they have built there the articles they have posted they own it so in any case like today if linkedin or youtube mm-hmm. were to shut down a creator mm-hmm. and if they don't have a backup of their data it's lost but more yep. importantly more than the data what they also lose is all the connections that they have made mm-hmm. whereas when we look at a web3 mm-hmm. kind of social enterprise a web3 mm-hmm. based social platform yep. with your id you're not just associated to like your data you know don't, don't just own the data but yep. you also own the collection the connections you have made mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then if you wanted to go from one platform to another mm-hmm. web a proper web3 setup will allow you to take your connections from one platform to another i mean mm-hmm. you know they stay with you versus staying on the platform so that makes a lot of difference but at the same time as you're saying it's still a small community yep. right and you know we every day we have more people getting introduced to the world mm-hmm. of web3 Mm-hmm. uh but still you know overall it is it is small and at its peak it was a 3 trillion dollar it was a 3 trillion dollar industry oh, now yes. it is a 1 trillion dollar <laughs> industry but yeah that that changes every yep. every single day with the mm-hmm. market changing mm-hmm. yeah of course yeah so how did you go from building the linkedin to building dino yeah yeah, yeah uh so actually we didn't go directly to dino uh so we actually uh last year it was a super hot topic about on um, did so decentralized identities 
I think that was the concept um, proposed by Vitalik. He proposed, you know, the decentralized identity and also the SBT, the Soulbound token. And, you know, that was super um, popular last year. And uh, so we actually formally into that topic after, you know, the DID. And, uh, you know, when, and we actually uh, try building decentralized identity for two months. And, you know, there's like tens of hundreds of companies doing that because uh, DID, the, uh, it doesn't have a super high barrier. And uh, you have to have a lot of, you know, um, like applications, build, and yeah, applications yeah, yes. build on top of your DID. So for yeah. folks who are listening in, uh, I will quickly touch upon why decentralized identities are required. When you are in the US, uh, you might not really realize, but you know, it's very easy for us to go and get our identities. Like mm. our, if you want to get a state ID or if you want to go and get your driver's license, it's mm. easier. But for a lot of economies around the world and a lot of countries, these this even this process is not actually very well managed. Mm -hmm. In fact, when it comes to even housing titles and stuff, there are a lot of countries in Africa where it's not properly managed and there are no clear records or a lot of record keeping is still done on paper. And we have seen even from historical fires and stuff mm -hmm. that you know paper can be so easy to destroy mm -hmm. but also it's easy to manipulate so if you are in a corrupt society it's very easy if you go and mortgage your land to a loan shark it's very easy for the loan shark to work with the city mm -hmm. to just change the title and show that they are the owners mm -hmm. so blockchain allows us to provide an infrastructure mm -hmm. to disable such happenings right yep. and enable more transparency more clarity but more importantly we have seen applications where people so for example if you have an illegal immigrant in the country it's hard for them to get ids and stuff right mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate and obviously i don't want to get into the political discussions of whether having illegal illegal immigrants in the United States, it's good, bad, ugly. I don't want to talk about that. But it's uh, we know that there are a lot of illegal immigrants and they don't have documents. So with decentralized identities, you could actually create a social proof based system where you have other people who have their IDs vouch for you. And that's how you create a social nexus and you use your social capital to really let people talk about you. Then we have uh, other ecosystems like Cardano actually has a very well enabled Atala Prism, which is a decentralized identity mm -hmm. system. So, mm -hmm. you know, they have that. But I was just talking about the use cases. There is a need for decentralized identity, especially leveraging your social capital. So yeah. then you worked on that. And then what happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I worked on that. Uh, I think back then, you know, the whole story about decentralized identity is basically, you know, you're trying to connect people's web to social data with their, with their you know, on-chain Web3 data. And um, I mean, the idea was uh, super sexy, but uh, actually when you're actually building it, it's super difficult because, you know, the majority of the data is controlled by the Web2 companies like Google and Meta. And like, there's no way people from, you know, the, the decision makers of those companies gonna be giving all those data to Web3 and actually, and, and actually there's no way for Web3 companies to start building it because they don't have the data. So I reached the conclusion that, you know, if you, uh, I think the idea is something we're definitely gonna have in probably 10 or 20 years, but uh, it's not the time right now. It's, you have to do it like from Web2 to Web3, not from Web3 to Web2. I yeah. think that's an excellent point just for startup entrepreneurs in general, right? A lot of the times uh, founders are working on an idea that is 
something that can be uh, can be a good idea but 10 to 20 years down the line yep. so pivoting is extremely important because mm-hmm. a lot of the times we hear it from the vcs we hear it from the we see the market signals where you realize that your idea is just way ahead of its time mm-hmm. and it's not ready to be implemented so i think that's a valuable lesson for a lot of founders in general right that you have to identify a product market fit yep. whatever product you're putting out in the market is the market ready mm-hmm. to accept it and yep. is there a market for that mm-hmm. right so that's where you evaluate your target addressable market you, mm-hmm. whether you have users who want it mm-hmm. and many times founders unfortunately get into that loop yeah. where they will create a product that they love super subjective is super subjective <laughs> yes because you you know your product is like your baby yep. so you will create a product mm-hmm. and every parent loves their baby <laughs> but getting other parents to love your baby is the trick so here you always mm-hmm. lead with something that is solving a customer problem mm-hmm. and that can see good adoption great so so then you realize that did is i i agree with you did is really mm-hmm. at the moment ahead of its time so that's why we have the larger ecosystems working on more pilots than smaller companies push for it you do have companies building for it but as you said you know it's already a small market and saturated then in yep. that case yep. so then how did you go from there to dino yeah yeah uh, so i when i was invested by the uh, miracle plus i went back to china and one of my investor he was actually you know the he was the president of microsoft and uh, he was working closely with bill gates and saw many of the uh, you know like the founders of Google or Meta when they you know when they building their companies and uh, he told me a very interesting story so you know like everyone probably knows there's a huge chinese company called Tencent Tencent which owns like WeChat that's like the you know the probably biggest one of the biggest social medias in the world and um so before WeChat the founder of Tencent built the software called QQ so that's basically like before WeChat and uh and my investor told me a very interesting story so back in uh, 2000 2002 The founder of Tencent was actually selling QQ. Back then, QQ has five uh, million users, and he was only selling it for one million Chinese yuan, which is 150k. Why? Because he was able to make any money because there were no advertisements back then, you know, and he has to pay for the server costs, the like, uh, like everything. And he went to all those like Chinese billionaires back then. None of them would buy it because they said, you know, I can hire a few college students and. Build, There's exactly. another messaging app. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, why, why would I buy you? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But you know, on later years, a super famous Chinese investor now. He's the founder of the Hill House Capital, and he just graduated from Yale. Uh, he raised on uh, 20 million dollars from the Yale, the Yale, uh, Yale School Board, and he actually invested all 20 million dollars into Tencent. And that's oh, wow. how all 20 million into yeah, QQ. Yeah, all of them. Like, yeah, wow. yeah. First investment, 100% all into QQ. Oh, that's that's actually not the way we. Yeah, it's not invest. suggested. Yeah, it's not suggested. Yeah, but I mean, he he was able to you know like um uh, 500x of his money because Tencent got so big. Yeah. And I think for me, the key takeaway of this story is you know um for early internet on uh, startups, I think I should think about how can I capture the um the best you know tractions. Instead of like, I should be thinking about okay, okay, how can I have people using my product instead of people just paying for it, because the on、uh, the business model or the business sense of those early internet might not be discovered, like somebody is gonna discover it in the future, and um all but all I want to do is you know I have the tractions and so when we have the business model I can actually make some money,、mm-hmm. and、uh, I think um、uh, quoting from you know the famous investor Peter Thiel. He said that、um, the you know the startup it's the process of you know you creating some value 
to the world. And then, you know, you capture a, a fraction of the value you created. And so if, for example, right now, I'm like busy thinking about like the business model of Web3, like even if I found out the model, I, I wasn't able to capture the fraction of the value because I'm not a, you know, a big company in Web3 or I'm like a super small company. Yeah, so like, okay, so I thought about, okay, like I shouldn't be focusing on, you know, getting the, uh, the business model and I should be focusing more about like, okay, what people really need? How can I get the, um, the most traction? So you focus on building value for them. And if you build value and your value gets traction, mm -hmm. as you said, as a founder, yeah. you can always figure out a business model to capture value from mm -hmm. that from mm -hmm. that traction and this is a good use case so you know one of the examples that a lot of people can relate to just mm -hmm. speaks to you is mm -hmm. how linkedin was launched mm -hmm. in fact a lot of the businesses right facebook linkedin whatsapp mm -hmm. none of them launched with a business model mm -hmm. on day one mm -hmm. they launched as a way to solve a problem mm -hmm. so i'll take the linkedin story because whatsapp is very different like you know they did not have a model un until the acquisition happened so mm -hmm. i'll skip whatsapp yep. and facebook or LinkedIn, right? So Facebook mm -hmm. story, a lot of people have seen the social network movie. Mm -hmm. So they know that day one, they weren't even trying to launch any ads and stuff. They just yep. wanted a lot more people to come in. Yep. But once they had those people, mm -hmm. today we know that in the digital ad space, which is mm -hmm. worth hundreds of billions of dollars annually, mm -hmm. Google and Facebook are the ones who mm -hmm. lead that market segment. Yep. So today, Facebook makes tens of billions of dollars mm -hmm. purely from the sale of ads but yep. on day one when facebook was launched they didn't want ads to spoil the experience mm -hmm. so the first thing that they actually did was bring people in yep. now similarly with linkedin when linkedin launched you already had so many networking platforms mm -hmm. but none of them were necessarily focused on professional networking mm -hmm. so linkedin started with a professional networking mm -hmm. model mm -hmm. and today linkedin's model is so different from facebook's yes mm -hmm. there are ads on linkedin as well yep. but a lot of linkedin's revenue comes from subscriptions and from recruiters mm -hmm. trying to find people. Yep. So LinkedIn was able to figure out a different model, revenue mm -hmm. model that mm -hmm. worked with the kind of value they had created for mm -hmm. the ecosystem. Yep. And again, even with LinkedIn, in fact, when LinkedIn, LinkedIn was the fastest company. Mm -hmm. And when, when they became a billion dollar company, they were the yep. fastest company to become a billion dollar company mm -hmm. within 18 months. Wow. But even within those 18 months, mm -hmm. they still did not have a dollar coming in, yep. right? Wow. Because they didn't have any <laughs> business model of, or a package or anything mm -hmm. that people could actually buy into. But I today see. we know that recruiters, all of these, even professional subscriptions, people mm -hmm. easily pay LinkedIn anywhere between 30 40 dollars to hundreds of dollars every month just for their subscription costs yep, yep. exactly so, so then how did you decide to create Dino yeah yeah uh, so I thought about you know I go to because I'm a uh, pretty outgoing person and uh, I go to a bunch of events not only web3 events but also a bunch of you know web2 like sports games and uh, like I went to all those events uh, so first when I go to you know the you know the web3 conferences I realized so first there's Everyone here is Web3 professionals. It's a super high percentage of like Web3 native people here. But uh, like none of them has, you know, a place to actually networking with each other and or discover Web3 events. That's the first pinpoint I found. And the second is when I go to, you know, the sports games, I realize, okay, um, you know, like there's, um, I don't know how to say that in English, but in China, we have, you know, uh, like someone who's like, you know, who buy the ticket and they're like, they are not going to the event, but they bought like 50 tickets, but they are like, you know, selling it on the secondary market. Yeah, like too. wholesalers or something. Yeah, yes. wholesalers. Yeah, they make they make like a uh, like a, prof a profit from this. Yeah, and I realized, okay, and, and for all those tickets, you know, 
people uh, take them as like collectives. Many people they go to their NBA games, they're gonna save their tickets, like probably put it in a in a, in a, in a shelf. And uh, okay, I realize okay, why don't you put that on blockchain, right? And um, so not only blockchain is uh, irreversible, it's on chain forever, and it also helps you know to have a track of who has the ticket or who attended the events. So um. It's gonna be a digital proof. It's a, like a digital footprint of your journey, and that's why actually at Dino we have a section called digital footprint. That's like a collection of all the places you went to to attend the events. And、uh, I think the、uh, blockchain has you know the potential to.、Um, so for our slogan, we call it events memories tokenized. So basically, we have you know create tokens like NFTs to.、Um, Commemorize all those tickets and all those events you went to, and all we and also what we can do is you know we can help that to do like further marketings. So for example, I can give you an example of how it works on like our current case study. So we are actually partnering with OKX right now. So OKX is one of the biggest crypto exchange, uh, like right now. So basically, you so OKX is a big crypto exchange across、uh, globally. When we look at them, they are probably second or third globally in terms of volume. In they are also there in US, but they have limited tokens in US that they sell because of the SEC.、Mm-hmm. Because of SEC, I'm just going to leave it at that.、Yep. But globally, especially in the Asian market, OKX has a lot of trading volume, and they're also very well regulated. They, especially after the FTX, Celsius, all of these crashes, there have been a few exchanges, and OKX is one of them that have been very forthcoming about、uh, auditing their proof of reserves、mm-hmm. and then sharing their proof of reserves with the community. For sure, for sure, yeah. Um,、uh, so something we are doing as actually with OKX right now, it's like for example, we have you know a big um、uh, Stanford events at August twenty eighth next Monday, and we're gonna be giving out an NFT to everyone who attended the events. It's it's not gonna be like you have to have certain stuff to like to get the NFT. All you need to do is have a ticket, and we're actually gonna put the NFT on the blockchain, and we know okay who is this person, and he has you know the this NFT on blockchain. And so what you can do is, you know, with that, um, with that token on chain, when you go to the OKX, you can get like a forty percent off on trading fees, because you are one of you know the super early supporters of the OKX because that、uh, event we are co-hosted with OKX, and I think to make it make it this easier to understand, it's for example, if Taylor Swift is you know hosting a you know a big concert with let's she、say. has a tour going on right yeah, now. Yeah, she has a tour going. On. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should try to contact her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so she has you know probably like um、uh, like twenty I don't know ten thousand people coming for a concert, and let's see you know let 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 let's say like she wants to do a raffle of like you know a private dinner with fifty people, and how can she do that? It's gonna be super hard, you know, to track who has a ticket and also to track, you know, who attended the events and also to、mm-hmm. communicate with them after that. Exactly, exactly. But、uh, with the blockchain technology, you can easily to track, you know, the ownership of those tickets and also to communicate with the holders of the tickets and to easily to gather them into, you know, a, you know, in like in the private dinner with like a very low cost. Solution because you don't need to hire anyone to do that. Exactly. So just to shed a little more context on what you are saying, right?、Mm-hmm. First of all,、uh, normally we know that when it comes to ticket sales, you have third-party platforms like Ticketmaster, etc. And today,、um, the barrier to entry and also the ticketing fees. 
a lot of people don't realize this but a lot of the event organizers actually lose money on events versus make money on it yeah. and ticketing platforms also charge a fairly significant fee yep. now besides the platform fee obviously they need fees because they have also people to pay and mm-hmm. they have a platform that they need to sustain mm-hmm. but then um, if you are not on the platform getting data from there becomes becomes harder mm-hmm. uh, yes i think with something like ticketmaster you have access to the email id so mm-hmm. you could still do a raffle but then tracking that hey you know all of the people who had come in right and especially if that ticket has been resold to someone all of those things it's not easy and uh, yes even companies can build that out further but it's like a new infrastructure that they have to add to it whereas mm-hmm. on blockchain blockchain always blockchain started as a ledger so it always was meant to have a transaction record of mm-hmm. proof of transfer for value mm-hmm. and we can look at tickets as a store of value mm-hmm. So in this case, the blockchain infrastructure is readily available. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's not there on blockchain fully yet is sending messages on chain. Mm-hmm. But we know there are companies that are also solving for that. So yep. pretty soon, you'll also just be able to send on-chain messages mm-hmm. to the people who hold the NFTs or the tokens in their wallet. Yep. So, so just to give, uh, maybe you know, we could talk about how these NFTs, like you know, you presented a great. a uh, great thought on how if uh, taylor swift wanted to just you know all of a sudden she said okay i want to do this dinner or maybe mm-hmm. she says i want to host this dinner mm-hmm. but i want to host it for people who have attended like i think her tour is like 12 or 13 um shows i don't remember mm-hmm. but it's like one show every 3 weeks or a one show a month so uh, if she wanted to do something special for somebody who has attended five of these shows yep. right now if that was on traditional ticketing you have to get all the data try and really uh, mm-hmm. look through the data and figure yep. out if there are overlaps mm-hmm. and then you know there's a lot to manage there mm-hmm. but when it comes to um, what we are doing here mm-hmm. on blockchain you can actually figure it out very easily because you just yep. have to check which wallet holds five of your mm-hmm. tokens and the infrastructure is already there and you can easily look at it yep um what are your thoughts on the even ticket serving as a digital collectible i know you said that you know people can store them in a shelf mm-hmm. but in the past we have had some really amazing ticket sales right so a lot of the times when a ticket is associated with an event mm-hmm. that is memorable in the minds of the people mm-hmm. we see a huge value associated with that ticket mm-hmm. so for example one of the uh, tickets from a 1934 masters game mm-hmm. which also was autographed by mm-hmm. 17 of the people at that game yep. that ticket was sold for a whopping $600,000 in March oh. 2022. Oh. And if you look at uh, shows like Pawn Stars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or on Netflix, we have a new show called Goldfin um mm-hmm. which is also in the collectible industry. Mm-hmm. We see that there is a huge value associated yep. with such event tickets. Mm-hmm. So when people come to sell the tickets, there are a couple of issues there, right? First mm-hmm. of all, the ticket has to be in pristine condition yep. and that changes the value of the ticket. And the second mm-hmm. problem is the authenticity of that ticket. Yep. Right, a lot of the times that is something that people chat about. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Do you think that what you're doing, like every attendee gets a digital collectible, so their ticket stub is a digital collectible that stays mm-hmm. with them on chain? Mm-hmm. Do you think this idea can revolutionize how people 
use collectibles? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, of course. I think in terms of you know the two pinpoints you mentioned, the you know the condition of the ticket, of course, it's on chain. It's it it's it's not gonna be having. It's gonna be in a bad condition. <laughs> and also checking the authenticity. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the blockchain to have everything more transparent and to you know having having everything more authentic. I think you know the putting those tickets on chain is solving both of those two uh, problems. And uh, secondly, it's you know with the uh, blockchain technology, you can easily trade those uh, uh, tickets as like NFTs or as any tokens. Whereas before, you know, you uh, probably need to find like, uh, for example, if I'm the owner of you know that 300k ticket, I probably need to find an agency you know to do the verification to six hundred thousand dollar ticket, and yeah, you have to find a an agency pay them. Yep. A couple of thousand dollars to verify the authenticity. Of first. course, yep. And then you know you're paying them to actually shipping the product and and I, brokerage fees as well, which generally is twenty percent of the sale value. Wow, wow, wow! That's that's super high. Wow. Yes, that is that is how it is though. Mm -hmm. But then on with NFTs, you already have a marketplace where you can mm -hmm. do that, right? Yeah, you yeah. still have to probably uh, spend some money in marketing it mm -hmm. because uh, people need to know that you know this ticket is for sale at a marketplace. Yep. However, the infrastructure is readily available to mm -hmm. you. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And especially also right now, we have you know the technologies like account abstractions in where. Um, people can you know can use the not only like cryptocurrencies they can buy buy like crypto with directly with fiat payments with like MoonPay or Alchemy Pay. That also helps you know to having more adoptions of people using those NFT marketplaces. So what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen who are listening into the Silicon Dreams on radios in the key fifteen fifty AM, is how we can create Web three experiences that are not jarring for people. So one of the primary obstacles our barrier to entry to Web3 is the fact that uh, today when you try to interact with Web3 applications, you have to have some cryptocurrency on hand. And uh, in order to get that cryptocurrency, if you are a miner, and a lot of you might have heard the term miners, miners are people who support a chain by providing uh, hardware resources to that chain and that's how they get paid but very few people are actually miners in the world. Yep. So for a lot of the people, the process includes going to a a platform like Coinbase mm -hmm. and then buying some cryptocurrency there and mm -hmm. then transferring that cryptocurrency from Coinbase to a wallet like MetaMask, etc. And then using that wallet to then buy something. And, you know, this definitely creates a very long onboarding process for someone who's coming in. What uh, Nicholas here is talking about is Dino.Live. If people go there, sign up for an account. They are easily able to use services like Alchemy Pay or Moon Pay, which is very similar to Stripe and PayPal. So people can just pay with their credit cards or bank accounts. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, bank accounts work better because mm -hmm. these transactions are still classified as crypto. So sometimes, you know, your credit cards won't go through. Yep. But you can easily pay with your bank account. You have mm -hmm. the security that's in place. And you don't have to worry. The entire process where we spoke about going to Coinbase, changing uh, a, a connecting your bank account, mm -hmm. buying cryptocurrency, then taking that cryptocurrency and sending it to your wallet. You don't have to do any of that. It's just yep. a one step exactly. process rather. And that definitely, you know, improves it, especially as you try to bring in more Web2 audiences. Yeah, the user experience is much better. Yeah, and I like your summary. It's very, it's very nice and succinct. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So how can people find out more about Dino Live? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can go to our website. It's on uh, dino.live. And also, you know, you can um, find the Dino on Twitter. 
So you can uh like actually so on uh, Dino actually we call it Dino. So uh we stands for uh digital nomads. That's a very interesting word. That's like people who working remotely. Uh and actually um uh, before like before the event ticketing, we were actually trying to build something only for digital nomads. Because I feel like you know there's a huge market of digital nomads, but uh, we absolutely mm -hmm. we have actually had uh, and I'm I'm so sorry for butchering it. I should have actually asked. You know, mm -hmm. this is my fault. But Dino, right, yeah. digital nomad. Yeah, I fine. think mm -hmm. Tahoe, the prices in Tahoe skyrocketed because of the whole idea of digital nomads, mm -hmm. right? People mm -hmm. want to go and work from the wilderness, uh, yep. still being connected. We have also seen companies that mm -hmm. have uh, RVs that they rent out, complete mm -hmm. with Wi-Fi, satellite, mm -hmm. internet, etc. Mm -hmm. So people can go mm -hmm. set up their place somewhere, work from there. Mm -hmm. So do you know, okay, so guys, it's D-I-N-O, Dino.live. That's how you can go and find that platform. Yep. Is the platform out of beta right now? It's uh, oh, I mean, it's we are uh, yeah, we are still in beta right now. We actually launched the product last week, and we are gonna be um in beta, I think, for the for the whole year this year, because you know we're trying to improve the features, and it's also our uh, it's my first time actually launching a product, very exciting, but uh, also probably has a lot of uh like issues or you know bugs that need to be yeah need to be, but like luckily we haven't got any bugs right now we are but i think the you know the best way to actually to go to know us is on uh, a 10 hour stanford events on august 28th if so guys you, there is a big event uh, first of all stanford is hosting a stanford blockchain conference okay. now if you don't have a ticket it's mm -hmm. going to be very hard to get a ticket but mm -hmm. there are many side events around that so if you are interested in the world of web3 and you're interested in use cases of web3 not just beyond the speculative hype that we have seen in the past couple of years mm -hmm. but really learning about what applications are what applications people are building in web3 then you can attend a lot of these events at the stanford blockchain around the Stanford Blockchain Conference. Um, and Dino.Live actually is hosting one of these events with a lot of big players. Mm -hmm. I know you already mentioned OKX, but we also have other layer ones, etc. joining yep. hands. So we have mm -hmm. Hedera and maybe mm -hmm. you can share some more names. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we actually have, you know, the CEO of OKX coming. And also we have the CEO of Hedera and uh, CEO of the Babylon chain. He's also a professor at Stanford, David Sai. And also we have the CEO of the Back Protocol. We actually, uh, we probably have, you know, the best speakers profiles across all side events. Yeah, it's going to be on August 28th from 5 to 8 p.m. You can actually register on Dino. If you go to Dino.live, you can see that in the, you know, the, the big advertisement page and you can just register. And guys, this event is free to attend. Yep. So, you know, you can definitely go ahead and check that out. Again, mm -hmm. go to Dino.live, D-I-N-O dot L-I-V-E. Mm -hmm. You have some of the smartest minds building in Web3. Mm -hmm. For context, a lot of these guys, like David Sai is a professor mm -hmm. and even the founders of Hedera, they mm -hmm. are actually they are guys in what their 60s or 70s i think i, I don't know whoever <laughs> maybe I've, probably 50s they're yeah. probably 50s yes <laughs> yeah, so even in man's will feel that but these guys are also doctoral holders right mm -hmm. they are not some yep. even they are from stanford if i'm not wrong mm -hmm. and uh, these guys are mathematicians who mm -hmm. have solved for exactly. some of the biggest problems so yep. again this crowd is a crowd that's all about real, building real world use cases mm -hmm. and just to give some context for example with hedera uh, the people who are on their board or the governing council, these are companies like Google, Boeing, ServiceNow, IBM, Dell. Yep. So we are really talking about good Silicon Valley sort of culture and not just a speculative 
hype that uh, people have typically seen in yeah. crypto. So go to Dino.live. The event is free to attend. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a, as an honor, you know, and as a show of love and token for joining us here on the Silicon Dreams, mm -hmm. Nicholas has also agreed to give out a free, free VIP ticket. So if yep. you want to attend the event and the VIP tickets actually entitle you to a nice bag of swag and goodies and some mm -hmm. cool merchandise that you can take with you, yep. you could actually go and buy one of the VIP tickets uh, right off the shelf. They are just $15, mm -hmm. but uh, you can use the code ORBIS86. So that's O-R-B-I-S-H-6 mm -hmm. to actually get it uh, at no price. So, you know, thanks to Nicholas for setting that up. Sure. And folks, definitely try and attend the event mm -hmm. and explore the platform. Yep. And also the event name is called Ignite Stanford. So there's, uh, it's, when you log into Dino.live, you can see in the center of the page, the Ignite Stanford event. Yep. So guys, if you are in the Bay Area and you want to learn more about Web3, especially building mm -hmm. on Web3 and also figure out what the big enterprises are actually building on Web3, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the times the smaller people left get left behind because mm -hmm. they don't know about the trends that the bigger industries are working on. But if make sure you don't get left behind. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about what happens in the mainstream news because I can tell you this, that people are actively building in the Web3 space mm -hmm. and Web3 is going to be here to stay. It's not, it's just like what happened with internet back in 2000. You had a bubble, the bubble burst, but internet did not become obsolete. Mm -hmm. But similarly, right now we are going through those phases, right? Where we are seeing a bear market in Web3 and globally as well. But Web3 as a technology is here to stay. So mm -hmm. If you want to learn about it, join us at Ignite Stanford. Again, go to Dino.live and look for a free ticket. Or if you get a VIP ticket, use the code ORBIS86, O-R-B-I-S, and the numbers 86, and get yourself a VIP ticket. Before we leave, do you have any parting words to share with our audience today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm very super excited to share uh, like the, the Dino platform and also, you know, the entire Web3 technologies to everyone. I think, you know, I'm very grateful for people who join in today. And I, I know we are in, you know, a super bear market right now. And everybody in Web3, like not everyone, I mean, half of people went to AI. But it's, it's good to have, you know, talk to um, people who are still interested in Web3 and also, you know, um, when we when we do something, you know, you have to have you know a big belief in it. And uh, I think for all the Web3 builders in the space right now, they have you know a huge belief in the decentralization. And it's not so much about you know making money through uh, trading on money crypto. Yep. online overnight, right? Yep. Nobody really is focused on that. Yep. People are focused on the principles of decentralization, about mm -hmm. people owning their own data, people owning their own finances. Yep and middlemen not screwing up with people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. is what this industry is actually exactly. about. Yep. I love that. You know, that's mm -hmm. a great thought to leave people with that, mm -hmm. guys, you know, when you look at Web3, mm -hmm. look at the principles of decentralization and what it empowers, yep. allowing people to get freed from the shackles that mm -hmm. bureaucracy around them could mm -hmm. be putting on them, being able to come out of these, you know, being able to decouple themselves from corrupt governance if there are and there are a lot of countries in the world yep. that suffer from it yep. decentralized 
decentralization provides mm-hmm. people with a way to actually mm-hmm. move beyond it and take control of everything mm-hmm. that is their own mm-hmm. and at the same time a lot of people might look at web3 versus ai mm-hmm. but web3 is also a technology ai is also a technology mm-hmm. there isn't a competition between mm-hmm. web3 and ai mm-hmm. in fact a lot of applications that are being built mm-hmm. leverage both of these technologies yep so exactly whenever you hear people talk about web3 versus ai it's just mm-hmm. disregarded because honestly both of them are technologies mm-hmm. and both of them are being used by the next generation of builders mm-hmm. to build cool applications mm-hmm. and with that it's time to bid farewell on mm-hmm. the silicon dreams on radio zindagi 1550 am this is your show host rj sonia founder of forbes 86 signing off and again cheers guys thank you